Good morning, church. So good to see you, second service. I, my name is Marlise, and I get to pastor this beautiful church alongside my husband, Pierre. It's, it's our, in our 20th year right now. And uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, we have been on vacation for two weeks, maybe two and a half. And this week I said to Pierre, I am done with the sand. I'm done with the ocean. I am coming home to my family, my church family for Mother's Day. Because who wants to be away from a community like this, right, on such a special day? So happy Mother's Day to all the mamas and the grandmamas and the aunts and the sisters and the friends. I, um, my favorite memory on vacation was that you needed to take, we counted it, 39 steps down to the ocean. Do you remember that, Kim? You and Eric were there one year. 39 steps to get to the bottom. And most mornings, Pia and I would be at the top of the stairs and we'd watch these young families congregate at the top of the stairs and you could see these young moms and dads like just trying to scrape their courage to take down one or two strollers and a toddler in the hand and a million bags because young moms, what do you do? You pack about 10 outfits for the three hours on the beach and a million snacks. And, and if you know anything about Pierre and I, we are crazy about babies. We just love babies. And so Pierre would stand at the top of the stairs and he'd wait for these couples and he'd go, I'd love to help you carry down some things. Is that okay? And I'd go, oh, I'm not sure if I would have wanted that as a young mom. And some of them would just look at Pierre and then he'd say, this is my wife. Like, I promise you we're safe. And um, long story short, every day he would stand there and a few times up and down, Pierre would sometimes carry the strollers with the babies inside all the way down the stairs and then come back uh, for the toddlers. Cute little boy, really chunky little baby, reminded me so much of my son when he was little. Um, just was obsessed with Pierre. He was, Pierre was like a superhero to him. But what I loved was every time Pierre got to the bottom of the stairs, he'd go, he'd look at the babies and he'd say, it was so great to have you fly with me today. Thank you for letting me be your pilot. <laughs> and so I looked at Pierre and I thought, man, you know what? The motherhood, the fatherhood heart is so resident in us as humans because we carry the image of God. And motherhood truly is an icon of God's presence. It gives us this peculiar window into his love and his faithfulness. And the Bible is filled with references about the mother's heart of God. And I won't read all these scriptures to you, but I really love this one in Hosea where it says, um, wait, I have to see this. Okay, Deuteronomy, it says, he says to the Israelites that he is the rock that bore you the God who gave you birth. And in Isaiah, it likens him to a nursing mother when he says, can a mother forget the nursing child, let alone yet God can never forget you. And um, as a mother comforts you, so will I, so will God comfort you. And you know, Mother's Day can be a tough one for, for many of us. I know that 
um, you know, perhaps you are sitting with guilt or remorse or just a tough motherhood journey or you wish your mama was with you. Or maybe you have children who have grown up and they, you know, they've moved away or your heart and your arms just ache to hold a baby. Maybe you've lost a child or you've lost a mama. And I know that even for me on a day like today, I feel a spectrum of emotions because my own mama, who was my best friend, passed away really suddenly at age 67. And I can't help but think of even Ernie here in the front row. She's way too young to be a mother, but she was a sister who became a mothering role in my life. And so you just look around. There's mothers all around in this community. But what I say is, as I grew older, I would learn more about her story. And I would learn that she had five miscarriages before she had me. And so you think of the story of, of mothers. And in a book, Telling Secrets, by Frederick Buchner, he writes this. We must keep track of our stories, who we are, and where we have come from, and the people we have met along the way. It is precisely through these stories and all their particular particularity that God makes himself known to each of us most powerfully and personally. To lose track of our stories is to be profoundly impoverished, not only humanly, but also spiritually. And so I remember my journey into motherhood and as I finish and give over to these amazing women, get ready to be so filled in your soul. It was in 1998 where Pia and I made our first trip to America and we lived in a really small little apartment in Washington, D.C. And the, 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 roof, the roof leaked and the neighbors wouldn't be kind to us. We tried to offer to even mow their lawn. They wouldn't speak to us. There were holes all over this apartment, and the little vehicle we bought for $500 had holes in the bottom, like the Flintstone car. But what I really want to tell you is that I had a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter at this point, and I had my baby boy in my belly through all of this. And in this little broken-down apartment, there was nothing but this little plaque behind the door that I stole, by the way, because that's just what you do when you find something so precious. And it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And I held onto this as I traveled back home. Hey, word to young moms who are pregnant, don't get on an airplane that's further than two hours because we didn't have enough money, took the cheap flights via Rome, and in those 40 hours, I went into full labor on an international flight. And why do I tell you that? Because there's such joy and pride in me when I talk about my daughter's birth. She had a nursery. She was surrounded with friends and family. She had every possible toy and binky and loved ones. But there's so much shame in my birth story with my son because he was born into nothing. Like there was no income, there was no house, and they put him in a little laundry basket. But if I don't tell you both stories, you know what? I deny God's faithfulness in everything and the beauty that he makes from every journey we travel along God's journey. So all I want to say today is that Mother's Day, no matter where you are, is a day of redemption for that which is lost and broken. 
It's about courage. It's about potential. It's about room to breathe and celebrating God's undeniable love because the maternal heart of God can be counted on. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. I love you and enjoy these stories. Are privileged to hear from some women that you may recognize or maybe you don't. Um, every single one of these women call the Father's House home and they are normal, everyday uh, people like you and I. But at the end, you will know them. And our prayer is that you would maybe find yourself in part of their story. And if you uh, have been around here for a while, maybe you've attended a sisterhood event, you know that we love sharing stories. There's a scripture in Revelation that talks about they will overcome by the blood of the lamb salvation and the word of their testimony. And that's what these women are going to do today. So I want to invite you, if there's something that, you know, really means a lot to you or you resonate with, please don't hesitate to cheer them on or, you know, uh, I don't know, give a shout, I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to be honest and to share your story. So uh, we are on sacred ground and we're gonna kick it off now. Well friends, my name is Esther Jansen. I have the privilege of being a mom to Wesley, age seven, Chloe, age five, and little Jordy, she is one and a half. If you don't know, Pastor Josh is my husband of nearly 10 years. And, <laughs> <woo -woo>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Carrie had us, um, asked us the question, um, what is your favorite late night snack? Uh, mine would probably be stovetop popcorn um, with butter and salt, drizzle it with a little bit of honey. It's very good. Don't knock it till you try it. Um, my secret superpower would probably be organizing closets and bathrooms. I love to organize. Um, this does come with side effects, though. The organizational brain, um, I lose my phone all of the time, and I'm terrible with library finds. I mean, I exceed all expectations on that. They just, yeah. So uh, motherhood was a dream that I always wanted. Uh, so when I got pregnant with Wesley, I couldn't wait. But let's be honest, nothing fully prepares you for bringing home a newborn. Josh and I probably lasted like two hours before we called my mom and was like, can, can you drive here? And my dad the next day drove my mom to Syracuse before he went to work in the morning. And let me, let me say, once you have a baby, you just see your mom in a renewed light. You're like, oh, she's human. Like, oh, she did the best that she could with me. And wow, she like prayed for me a lot. Um, so I will never forget that moment of relief when my mom entered our apartment door and I just handed her Wesley. I was like, <laughs> my mom's here. So thank you. We love you. Um, after a rough recovery um, for Wesley, that it was mixed with a family move, a new job for Josh here at the church. We had our first house. We were building a community and a friends. Um, and I look back now on that season, and I understand now that postpartum depression made its first appearance during that time. 
When I got pregnant with Chloe, I knew what to pray for. The recovery after her birth was a healing experience for me, a new beginning. Then years later, you throw in a third child into the mix. What were we thinking? (laughs) But she ended up being exactly who our family needed to look forward to as the pandemic closed in around us. Uh, Postpartum depression returned after Jordy was born, and it takes on many forms in women. It intensified my anger and my control. And I've joked over the years, like, I didn't know I'd be this angry as a mom. Um, just flying off the handle at the smallest thing that was not in my control. And one night, the mental game was so intense. Uh, I, I just had these intense feelings that I wanted to hurt myself and my baby. And I was just like trying to ground myself. And I went uh, to my husband and I said, I am not okay. I am not okay. And he held on to me. Um, And that scary situation really propelled me to get help. And so side note, if something, this is for everyone, if something is not right in your body, please go to the doctor, get your blood work done, find out what is happening because we need healthy people. So though medication dulls, you know, the symptoms, the control, and the anger, there was still that work in my heart and my soul that God just so tenderly reveals to us in his way. Questions like, am I responding out of fear and control? Am I seeing my kids as an inconvenience because I'm on Instagram and they need something? Do I need to ask forgiveness for not being accountable for my emotions? Because it's okay to feel the emotions, but I'm responsible for my reaction. Have I told them today, I love you, I am proud of you, I respect you, and you belong in our family? Because I've learned that when I say those life-giving words to them, I'm actually bringing life into my own heart. And kids have a way of just drawing us into the present and reminding us that life is meant to be savored and enjoyed. When they climb into your bed in the morning for family cuddles, when they press their cheek against yours, the joy of seeing them accomplish something new like swimming without floaties for the first time or riding a bike, the annoyance that we sometimes feel when they are awake, but also feeling the ache of love when they're asleep and even the realization that they have kept it together all day at school and when they get home in their safe place they release all of their emotions so my mom uh hums worship songs all throughout the day and this is something i swore i would never do Um, but i was realizing that she is resetting her heart And now I find myself in overwhelming kid-charged moments. And it's not necessarily like the sweet hymns like my mom, but uh, there's like an old uh, kid song that's like, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. And it's, yes, anyway. Um, So I think we forget 
that there is a bigger calling into motherhood. We want to raise resilient, competent, independent adults who have a healthy view of God. We are in this for the long haul. You're not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect parent. But these kids were given to us for a reason. And we are all on this journey to become more Christ-like. So while the journey to motherhood was the route that I expected, the deep soul work in my own life is not one that I had anticipated. I marvel at the work that God has done in my heart and how he draws us through sleep deprivation to pray, to meditate on his promises, and to hold on to his protection for our kids. We have a good God. Amen. Good morning, Father's House. My name is Phyllis Adina Moss, and some people call me Dr. Phyllis Anita Moss. I have four sons, 148, 120, 113, and 111. And the 11-year-old said there is not nearly enough about him in this story. <laughs> His name is Zymir, and he's over there sleeping. <laughs> My favorite snack is pistachio nuts, and my friends would say that my superpower is singing. My path to motherhood was totally unexpected. I always thought that I would meet Mr. Wright, get married, have children, the traditional story, the white picket fence and all that. But instead, I had my first child in my teen years and spent a large part of my life trying to overcome the pain of having to place him for adoption. There were so many unexpected turns on my way to motherhood. First, because Psalm 37 and 4 says, if you would delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. I buried myself in church, school, and work. That was a major turn for me. I eventually answered a call to ministry and moved to Atlanta, Georgia to attend seminary. Afterwards, I took a position as the personal assistant to a Christian singer, another major turn, which changed my life overnight. It was a dream job for an aspiring singer, but I was still lonely and depressed. It was at a Women of Faith conference in Dallas, and while hanging my boss's very glamorous posters on the walls of the arena that I had an epiphany. I could not see myself in pictures plastered on arena walls. That was not really what I wanted. Not long after that, my boss decided to move her office to her farm, which is about 60 miles outside of Atlanta. I knew God was calling me to return home to support my family after the death of my father. People thought I was crazy and tried to discourage me, but I recognized God's shift. About six months later, after I returned home, a young man called me, and after introducing himself to me, he said, I think you are my mother. He had gotten my name from the New York State's adoption registry. I had waited 29 years for that phone call. At the same time, At the same time, I found myself surrounded by women who weren't waiting for Mr. Wright anymore. 
they were fostering and adopting children in need of homes. I decided to do the same thing. Nine days after completing the foster care training, my four-year-old nephew was taken into care. He was my first foster child, and I eventually adopted him. Several years later, the foster care unit called me again to see if I could take an eight-month-old baby boy. I said yes, and three years later, I adopted that child and his little brother, Zymir. There were many unexpected turns. I thought motherhood would be a lot easier. My mom's here today too. She makes motherhood look a lot easier than it actually is. <laughs> but there is so much to manage. School, healthcare, outside forces like friends, Wi-Fi, social media, television. It's a lot. I also assumed that our school district would properly educate my children. That has been a huge disappointment and awakening. The reality is, if I want my ch children to get a quality education, I have to do it myself. One of the biggest things that motherhood has taught me about my relationship with God is how passionately God loves me. It's hard to imagine that God loves me more than I love my kids, but he does. His capacity to love is so much greater than mine. I used to hear people say, if you were the only one on the planet, Jesus would have died just for you. I never believed that, but now I do. When I think back to the period after my first child was born, I think about how much time I wasted trying to regain the approval of man. That carried over into my relationship with God. I thought that if I did everything God wanted me to do, that he would bless me to get married and have children but the favor on my life is unmerited. Later, when I started going through menopause, I began to feel helpless about ever becoming a mother, but I have this private joke that God is the only one who can bless you with four kids after menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Periodically, I start playing the, the what if game. What if I had stayed in Atlanta? What if I had stayed on that track? What if I had um, not moved home? Would I be singing on a national stage? And then I look at my boys and I say, I'm good. Good morning. I'm Victoria and I've been married to my husband Jordan for almost 10 years. We. We have three really adventurous boys. Avram is eight, Ezra is six, and Toby is four. It's really never a dull moment at home. Late at night, I like a cup of hot tea or a giant piece of tiramisu because everyone needs balance, right? I have a superpower that few others have. I don't really know anyone else like me. I love black jelly beans. <laughs> oh, yeah! In all seriousness, I'd say that my superpower is making space for others, usually on my couch with a cup of coffee or tea. So let's pretend for a moment that we're sitting on my couch because it feels safe to be vulnerable there. And I haven't written anything longer than a text or an Instagram post in a really long time. 
Do you ever stop and think about the past, about how far you've come and remember the before? Before you were an adult, before you had a spouse, before you had a job, or even before you knew God. Before I was a mother, I was a daughter. As a young girl, I remember laying in the grass and watching puffy clouds drift by while daydreaming about boys and getting married. I remember the stars from the nights when I'd call out to the sky. I'd beg for life to be easier with a promise to God that I would do anything if he made my wish come true. That was before I knew that God isn't a genie and he walks with us through hard times instead of just taking the trouble away. I remember growing up with a mother who fiercely fought to model that you don't have to stay a victim. When I was three, my father left her to raise me and my sister in a town where she had little support. We moved to a little apartment where life began as the three of us. She went to night school to get her GED and then an associate's degree from a local community college. All while, yeah. All while working, sometimes riding a bus for an hour to get to that job and raising her daughters. Life continued for many years as she persevered through challenging situations. One of the most difficult was when she told her boyfriend to choose between our family and his addictions to drugs and alcohol. This would be a turning point that led our family to the Lord. Her boyfriend became my stepfather. We learned about Jesus and the power of the cross. I often recall my mother's perseverance and her example of what love looked like as I walk through motherhood now. Love wasn't just hugs and kisses. It was sacrifice and tears. Now, as my husband and I raise our boys, love means choosing to heal, learning to apologize, and experiencing forgiveness. It's opening up that luggage that I drag around and saying, okay, God, let's deal with this. It's choosing purpose in God instead of the weight of what I carry from my past. Surprisingly or not so surprisingly, being a mom of three boys has involved a lot of burps at the dinner table and a whole lot of potty talk. But mixed in there are tender moments and sweet hugs, times for cheering for their successes and walking through their losses with them. My boys live a vastly different life than I did growing up. They know the comfort of not having to move, the stability of a mother that gets to be present, a father that comes home every night, and an introduction to faith in Jesus at a young age. I didn't expect that love would, be, would feel like a gushing from my heart and at the same time stop me in my tracks. I see a reflection of myself in those little faces, the good, and the bad. Those moments remind me of how much I need the cross and how much they need to see me walking with Jesus. If I could go back to before I was a mother and give myself some advice, I'd say, unpack the luggage and let God heal your heart. It's not worth the work of carrying the weight around. 
It's worth the work and the pain of dealing with it today. You're worth the work. Next to being a wife, motherhood is the best experience you'll ever have. It's not a place to get lost, but a new avenue to use your gifts. And lastly, hold your babies for as long as you want. Good morning, y'all. Happy Mother's Day. So my name is Laquanda M. Fields. I'm a proud single mother of two amazing daughters, Jayla, who is 16, and Samaria, who is 14. Thank you. My guilty pleasure, and this is my mom's fault, is vintage sitcoms, uh, both American and British. So if you are thinking Mary Tyler Moore, or Laverne and Shirley, like obviously here, right? Um, and are you being served or absolutely fabulous? That's what we're talking about when it comes to vintage sitcoms. My not so secret superpower is that I can style just about anything. My best friend joked that I can make a potato sack look good, and I agree because I would throw a belt on and a pair of heels and be about my day. I'm not sure if I really had any expectations of going into motherhood. Um, I was 19 when I had Jayla and 21 when I had Samara, so I was still fairly young. But I guess what I can remember is that I was full of hope about the future, uh, Jayla's future. I can clearly remember a conversation that I had with my late aunts. Uh, Jayla was born premature and we were visiting her in the strong NICU. And I was telling her that I wanted the world for Jayla. I wanted her to be able to have all the things I didn't have, all the opportunities that I didn't. That was very important to me. What I've discovered, though, is that it's not that easy, but it's not something that I beat myself up about. I do the best that I can with what I have. I love and support my daughters unconditionally, and that is enough. Right now, the girls are at uh, a very interesting stage in their lives at 16 and 14. Teen moms, I pray for you, pray for me. Send lots of wine. <laughs> um, at 16 and 14, they are becoming their own women, right? So just like I've experienced in womanhood, some days are easier than others. Our relationship is slowly changing from me leading them to standing side by side with them. As our children grow into adults, we can look forward to being proud of who they become. One thing I've been saying to myself lately is that present Laquanda is preserving the mother-daughter relationship between future Laquanda, Jalen, Samaria. Everything I do today matters. That keeps things in perspective for me. The biggest thing that motherhood is teaching me is that very much like my relationship with God, motherhood is a journey. You never reach mastery level, or peak motherhood, or peak discipleship, nor is it expected of you. It's easy to place expectations on ourselves that are impossible to achieve, or compare our worthiness to others. Here's the thing, though. I've learned that the foundation of motherhood and discipleship is relationship with your children and with God. It's quite simple, but sometimes we make it complicated. If I could give advice to another parent, it would be that first, community and prayer are everything. 
The truth is, everyone needs someone. Even as an introvert, I recognize that. If it weren't for my best friends, my sisters, my TFH soul sisters, my mom, my aunts, my grandmothers, single motherhood would be much harder. My community is very important to me, and I thank God for the women who are part of that. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, etc." This is something that I still struggle with, but God is faithful, and through prayer, I'm reminded of that. So in the words of Surrounded, which is one of my favorite songs, that is how I fight my battles. The second piece of advice is for single mothers specifically. I see you. Be proud. There's a stigma about single motherhood, and there shouldn't be. I certainly felt the weight of that. Thank you. I didn't want my girls to grow up in a quote-unquote broken home, but ultimately I felt that the greatest example that I can set for them was self-love and boundaries, and that's far more important than the make of our household. Thank you for listening. Good morning. My name is Kaylee Schneider, and I joked for service that I have two kids. I have a stepson that's 10 years old, and I have my mother-in-law's son. Uh, my, favorite, my favorite snack would be chips and queso. I love Moe's, but Chipotle is usually where I go. My secret superpower, I would say, would be multitasking. As a teacher, it's kind of necessary. Motherhood for me has been a very interesting journey. Growing up, I always wanted kids from a very young age. I have brothers and sisters that are 10 to 15 years younger than me, and I helped to raise them, so parenting was kind of second nature. My motherhood journey started as a stepmom, and it was a lot harder than I expected. Having both a stepmom and a stepdad, and being on the child side of that relationship, has helped to shape a lot of the decisions that I've made over the years, as well as the way that I look at different situations. I never wanted to overstep Connor's mom or make him feel like I was trying to take the spot of his mother. I always wanted him to feel loved and respected. I wanted him to be able to trust me and know that no matter what happens, I will be there for him. I came into Connor's life when he was about three years old. I was not only learning to be a stepmom, but what parenting was about in general. I knew the logistics about taking care of a child, but there was so much more that I, am I was learning and still am. My husband and I were also trying to navigate our parenting styles and how they would work together. I grew up and was very much a girly girl, and both him and Connor liked to be messy and blow things up. It's hard to deviate from how you were raised. We have been able to make a lot of compromises compromises and having clear communication not only between myself and my husband but with Connor has helped a lot. Parenting is not something that you master. It is truly a journey that you are navigating and things change and evolve over time. Having God in my life has helped me through many situations. My faith has taught me that none of this is possible without God's help. We are not meant to navigate this road alone. We have to lean on him and he will guide us on the right path. When my husband and I got married, we started talking more about having kids. However, my husband can't have any more kids, so that meant we needed to explore our options. 
Growing up, I never knew that people struggled with getting pregnant or that there were multiple fertility options available. I had this perception that once I got married, I would be able to have kids in a house and go on with my life. As my husband would say, I grew up under a rock. I started going through a fertility clinic, and that's when my faith was really tested. Over the last four years, I have had many fertility procedures, including nine IUI treatments and two rounds of IVF. When we first started, we had all this testing done, and they didn't anticipate any problems. They kept telling me, you are young. I was so confident in that first procedure that when it didn't take, it almost crushed me. I was devastated. Sitting here looking back at these moments in my life, I know that these values had a purpose. I spent a lot of time reading devotionals and books in the Bible, and help, they helped me to stay grounded in God's purpose for my life. Some days are better than others, and I know in my heart that he has a plan for the ultimate good. I started talking about my fertility journey with other women, and that's when I realized that a lot of women struggle with getting pregnant. If I never went through these struggles, I would not have had the opportunity to meet other women going through the same thing. It wasn't just me, although in the beginning it felt that way. It just isn't something that is talked about. These people that I've connected to through this season of my life have helped me to stay positive on the not-so-good days. If I were to give a piece of advice to someone going through this, I would say give yourself grace. There are going to be moments in parenting that are super overwhelming. You need to know when to take a step back, breathe, and look to God for guidance. As Pastor Marley said at the in the very beginning, we recognize that, you know, motherhood takes many shapes. And whether you are a mother in this room, whether, well, we're all children. <laughs> so all of us are feeling something today. Maybe for you, it's celebration and joy, and that's beautiful. Or maybe you don't have a mom to send a card to today, and you're going to a grave site later. Maybe you are a mother grieving the loss of a child. Maybe you're wrestling with your own guilt or questions about, you know, your own mothering. Maybe you are waiting to have biological children. As your church and from our pastor's heart, we want you to know that we see you and that God's presence is with you in wherever you are, in whatever may come. And it doesn't all look the same, and that's okay. God is so much bigger than that. So our prayer today is that you uh, would be comforted. And I'm wondering, as we close, if we could just stand and thank these incredible women who shared their stories.